we are in the middle of the good and beautiful design, transforming from dysfunction to design. God's got a design. Very clearly, he gave us his word, telling us how to live. We do have a roadmap. Uh, men are notorious for not following the instructions. Uh, we, we open up things and we get going. Uh, I, I bought a shop vac this week for my wife, and I, I said, I got to put it together, honey. I got to put it together real quick, and it shouldn't take me a second. Boy, you know, I wish I'd read the instructions first. I just started putting things together. And then you, you look at the instructions and say, don't do this. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I did. We don't follow instructions very well, but it's even worse when we don't realize that there has been some. And God has given us his design. This is the map. This is the blueprints are here, folks. And God wants us to move from dysfunction to design. Are you tired of dysfunction yet? Are you tired of it? If you're tired of it, go to God's word. And that's where we're at in the third part of the trilogy. We've already gone through the good and beautiful life, the good and beautiful God. And now we're at the good and beautiful community. This body, or last week we called it this sheep pen. We're the sheep pen at Oakwood, but there's many, many sheep pens out there, but there's only one flock. One flock. God's sheep. He knows his sheep. He distinguishes who the sheep and the goats are. It's not your or my job. So we stay unified. Last week's message is about unity. Unity. One God. One Jesus. One resurrection. One heaven. Those are things we talked about last week week. So this morning, we are here to talk about we are an encouraging community. Holy yet broken. Broken yet holy. Did you see the video I sent out? Did you get the pre? You didn't see it, huh? How many of you thought I really dropped that on accident? I, this is our, our wonderful pot that Julie and I went and found this week, and I made the announcement video. You should watch it. I, I was videotaping it, and my wife, is, she's, she, she deserves some kind of an Emmy. She was filming, and if you listen to the video, she is like, oh, no! I'm like, that, that is so over the top, Julie. We, we broke the thing on purpose. I brought it out, showed you the video of it breaking. Hopefully some of you were like, no! And, and you know, it was all meant for the illustration today because we are broken yet holy. Holy yet broken. And we're going to talk about that underneath the auspice of an encouraging community. We'll explain that all just a bit. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you go to God and say, God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, if there's anything you want me to hear this morning, I'm willing to listen. And God, I pray you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Encouraging. That word encourages. Say it with me, everybody. One, two, three. Encouraging. Now, when you hear that word, you might be thinking, well, yeah, this church better encourage me. I need encouragement. I need to be propped up and patted on the back and thanked and welcomed. And, and that's what we typically think when we see this. I got bad news for you today. That is not what I'm going to be talking about. We want to be a church that loves on you and cares for you. We fail from time to time to do our best, but we sure try. I hope you realize that everybody who calls themselves uh, a regular attender, a member of Oakwood, uh, you have an elder. An elder has been assigned to you. And I don't know how many fam- Jeff, how many families is it that each elder has? 50, 40, 50, each of them have 40 or 50 families that they specifically call on and check on. And, and yeah, we miss things from time to time, but boy, it sure is better having five elders than just one pastor trying to do all of it for 500 people. It's just impossible. And so I'm thankful that we try to encourage you, but 
What I'm going to talk about this morning goes way beyond how you doing, pray for you. It goes beyond that. It goes into what we're here for, this church. Why do we exist? And the key verse that's going to get us there is Hebrews 10, 24-25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging, everybody say encouraging, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So many good bits and pieces there. I've preached on this before. You've, you've heard me talk about the spurring and what a spur does on a, on a, a cowboy's boots to a, to a horse. Uh, we're, we're, we're to kick each other, really motivate one another. Really, that's a good word, motivate. It's a motivation. Uh, but beyond that, we know we're to be about loving good deeds. Then there's that little sentence there, not giving up meeting together summer in the habit of doing. Let me just, just real quickly, friends, I, that verse was thrown around during coronavirus that churches should never stop meeting publicly because uh, this verse says we should not do that. And that was thrown at me over and over and over again. And I'm just going to tell you that it has nothing to do with what happened during coronavirus times. And that is not what the scripture is talking about. There are wonderful people who are watching today that have not been out of their homes or they're, they're, they're being very cautious and this is how they are connecting. They are not giving up meeting together. They are gathering when the church gathers. We not once, not one Sunday did we stop gathering. How we gather is definitely different. But there are people that didn't stop gathering. What the author is saying is don't give up and don't walk away. Don't quit. Because this gathering, whether it's all online or half online and half in presence, that is the gathering of the church. And you shouldn't give up on that. Stick with that. Don't get in the habit. I like how he threw that in there. The habit is I'm not going. I'm not participating. I'm not going to be part of this body. And then that habit becomes, what do you do things seven times in a row? It starts to become a habit. And so you see, that's a habitual bailing on the brotherhood, bailing on the church. I want to make sure you understand that this is not a treatise for churches having to make hard calls from time to time. We're heading in the wrong direction, folks, with this coronavirus. I, 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 don't, I don't want to hear your political. The facts are, the cases are way up. And, and that's concerning. Have we decided to do it? We met Tuesday night. We talked about it because we want to be cautious. At this point, we're not changing anything that we're doing. If things get to a point where we have to backtrack, we'll probably go back to phase three, which would be eliminating our children's ministries for a while uh, and stopping the cafe, some of those procedures that we had in place. Worst case scenario is that we'd go back to a phase two where we were not meeting. Uh, we're not able to do the outside anymore, so that eliminates that. So we'd go all the way to phase one where we were all online. If that happens, friends, you're not violating this principle. You're not. That's a misunderstanding. And I would tell you that over and over again because if the church in China that's underground has to meet in pews, they're in trouble. Do you hear me? Because we're believers doesn't guarantee that we gather in pews and air conditioning with PowerPoint on the wall in order for it to be church. Church is not the trappings we've made for it. It's not. And we are not. Oakwood will not. We will, if I have to be in my basement shooting out video streams, it will happen and the church will gather who gather with me if it's, yeah, amen. That's what it is. That's what we're talking about. We're not going to quit. We're not going to get in the habit of bailing. We're going to gather however we can, whatever we can do. Let's do it. Let's do it the best we can to the glory of God. And this verse tells us that the church exists to encourage 
Maybe not the word you're thinking of, encourage, but the type of encouragement that I'm going to show you. False narrative today. In our series, we've been kind of debunking false narratives, replacing them with true narratives. The false narrative for today is the community serves my needs. That's the false narrative. And it's so common. We are, boy, we, aren't we used to having it your way right away all the time? It's all about me. And, and we are used to that. Our culture kind of, everybody caters to us. Everybody wants your business, so everybody's going to come after you and want to cater you. And we've learned to be consumers. Don't, don't do poorly or I'll be upset. I'm paying you, so therefore I deserve some sort of quality, right? And we all are frustrated. I'm a consumer on things. Aren't we all frustrated with customer support today? Have you ever tried to get help? Oh, I find myself praying before I call an 800 number. Lord, just help me talk to a human. I don't even care if the human's good. I just want a human. Just let me start with a human. If I can get to a human, Lord. And then you go through the, just say yes. Yes, I did not understand you. Oh, I mean, But we are driven to be consumers. And this whole thing called the community, the church, it is not. It is not a place to come as consumers. The false narrative of a church, the false narrative of a community gathering is they they exist to serve my needs. Now listen, that doesn't mean we don't care about your needs. It doesn't mean we want to meet your needs. But it is not our primary purpose is to serve your needs. If you come with that mentality, you will be disappointed quite often. If you come to a community where we gather together and you expect all of your desires and needs to be met, you're quite often going to go away feeling empty and upset. Because if you're consumers here, then each of you should have an opinion on what songs are played. Yeah, and you're like, we do. Well, you're not consumers though. We're not an audience to the worship band. We're partners with them. There's an audience of one, and we're all in the band. And so we're all worshiping together today, not as consumers. If there is one consumer of what's happening today, it's the Lord above. He hears our worship, and he's pleased with it. He he sees your hearts. But we cannot be consumers. So the true narrative If the community isn't here to meet my needs, then what are they here for? Well, we're here to shape your life. That's a deeply serious thing. This community isn't here just to pat you on the back and and, and get you through until next Sunday when you come back to get that next shot, right? Uh, Some people come to church, get that little boost so they can get through the world this week. I understand it's tough times and sometimes we need that little boost, but we're not existing here just to give you a boost to get from one Sunday to the next. We're here to shape your life. One of the best phone calls I got over this whole crazy corona and then the election nonsense, I got a call from a a wonderful lady of God from our church who called me and said, Pastor, I just want to let you know, you've been preaching over and over again how we should live and act. Why aren't they acting that way? And I thought, she gets it. She gets it. We're not giving you a boost to get from one Sunday to the next. We're shaping how you should live through God's word. It's a, it's a, that's a much deeper business than just saying happy birthday. <laughs> much deeper business. We are fragile vessels. Jars of clay, the Bible would say. One of my favorite bands, by the way, from the 90s. I bought this on Friday, I think, and uh, had no idea how hard it was to glue it back together. 
made the video and broke the pot on purpose, and the plan was to bring it back completely whole. If anybody wants to help. There's a lot more pieces. <laughs> I spent all Friday night and then Saturday trying to glue this thing together. I currently have no fingerprints because I am all glue. It's okay because God in his mercy, as you do an illustration, says, this is my illustration, not yours. We are broken people. We are fragile people. The Bible calls us jars of clay. As a church, I'm going to mix my metaphors today. As a church, we're, we're really one community of a bunch of broken pieces. You today are one of these shards that make up the body at Oakwood. You yourself are a vessel and, and, and broken. Oh, that the Lord would bring us together. You know what? After hours of doing this, last night when it was actually too late, because the, the, the glue bottle says 24 hours minimum to cure. I'm like, I'm out of, I'm past 24 hours. I can't put this together. It's one of those moments the Lord hit you on the head saying, see, pastor, you can't put it together. I have no ability to draw a bunch of broken people and make us one. I have no ability. I, I can try And look what it got us, (laughs) a broken church. And that's the point today. That's my point for us. We exist to be an encouraging church, which means we are here to shape your life. But we individually are fragile vessels. And as a church, we're, we're a body made up of fragile vessels, jars of clay. Let me read it for you in 2 Corinthians 4. 7 through 11. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. But we are hard-pressed on every side. Not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. The whole point of this, we're fragile, but God's light is powerful and his strength is perfect and it is what is in this broken jar, you and me. And that's what we're trying to express to you is that we want the Bible to shape your life. Jesus in you is the only hope. In Corinthians, when this was being written, you could get a jar of clay really cheaply. They, they had these things all over the place. They had these vessels. I mean, you can dime a dozen. You could grab as many as you want because they were so fragile and easily broken. You needed a lot of them. And they stored a lot of things in these jars of clay. It's even interesting that fine wine, great wine, cannot be stored in gold and silver. It would ruin the wine. But it does great in a cheap jar. (laughs) And the point of this passage, by the way, is what we have inside us is immensely valuable, but what we are as containers is pretty cheap. Pretty cheap and inexpensive. The contrast there is what the author is trying to show us. I'll have more to say about that in a bit. I know there's a clicker somewhere. So with that said, 
I want to take you to what the community shapes. The community that shapes, number one, the community that shapes reminds me who I am. What we as a community want to remind you who you truly are. Scripture tells us that we're holy yet broken. That's for believers. If there's ever been a time in your life when you went to the Lord and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. If you've ever had a moment where you crossed that line of faith and said, God, forgive me and save me, then you have been declared holy. Everybody say holy. You've been declared holy, and yet we're broken, aren't we? We're so broken that we have a hard time saying, I am holy. Uh, anybody in this room, if you don't have a hard time saying those words, I mean, I don't know if you have a right understanding of who you are. We're broken people. We're a mess. And yet God, through Jesus, has declared us holy. That's the great exchange I talk about all the time, friends. It's a beautiful exchange. Don Jackson has nothing to offer. When I die and stand before a holy God, I've got nothing to offer. I can't bargain my way into heaven. There is no sin allowed into heaven. And so Don Jackson has a long list of sin. There's no way I can fake it. There's no way I can, can baloney my way in. I can't go to God and say, I did it. Move over, Jesus. Two people did it. Jesus did it, no sin, and then Don Jackson did it. You think I have a chance? Not a chance. My wife's going to be somewhere in the crowd going, he's lying. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to be able to pull that one over on a holy God. I got nothing to give. But when that holy God looks at me and says, Don Jackson, who's paying for your sin? I'm going to say, God, when I was a young man, I asked Jesus to save me from my sin. I asked him to forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Savior and Lord. And immediately a holy God is going to take his eyes off of Don Jackson's sinfulness. And he's going to turn and look at his son. And when he sees his son, he's going to see complete holiness and righteousness. There is no sin in Jesus. And he's going to look right at Jesus and see all of that perfection and say, Don Jackson, you are perfect. Because there was an exchange. All of Don Jackson's sinfulness went to the cross on Jesus. He became sin, didn't just wear it. He actually became sin on that cross so that this beautiful exchange could take place. So in the eyes of a holy God, I'm holy. Let's look at the scripture that tells us these things. Hebrews 10 and verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy. Everybody say holy. Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, God tells us this. He, I'm sure God understood that we knew, we know that we're not perfect. And we know that we're not deceiving anybody. We're broken sinners. And so he said, listen, I'm telling you, but I've declared you holy because of Jesus. You're holy. Colossians 1 verse 2. To God's Holy people, everybody say holy. In Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Savior. See, the, the, the people who wrote the epistles, who wrote to the churches, they often told the people, just reminded them who they were. Listen, church, you holy group of people. No, we're not. And then they go on to tell them about the mess that was in the church and how they better shape up. But they started by reminding them who they were. Listen, church, you're holy. You're God's holy people, declared righteous and right and just and pure and perfect. That's who you are. And then 
spent the rest of the book talking about the brokenness that we live in. See, we're, we're, we're sinners. And this is that holy dilemma. I, I'm telling you, there's a holy dilemma here today you need to wrestle with. You're a child of God, forgiven and holy, and yet dealing with and struggling with and living in the flesh. That's a paradox. It's a hard thing. But both are true. God sees me as perfect and holy, and yet I'm struggling with sin day after day after day after day. That's a tension. There's a tension there. I'm holy, yet broken. The next thing that the church shapes you when we remind you who you are, the church also shows me what I can become. You see, I I am holy, declared by God, but I struggle with sin. So we need to remind you that you are broken, yet holy. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing there. God declares you holy, yet you're a broken person. Now that we understand that we're broken, the church needs to remind you God's called you to be holy. Listen, broken sinner, whatever shard you are, whatever, whatever remains of you, broken person, we need to remind you that God's called you to be whole. God's called you to be holy. Let's look at 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I just want to camp there for a second. Leave that verse right there on the screen. Last night as I was praying over the sermon, I thought, that one verse there doesn't quite give you the whole thing, especially when it starts through these. What are these, right? We've got to go back. We've got to find out what are these. So I'm going to read for you all of 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Boy, that's good enough right there. You are broken, but God has told us he's given you everything you need to live godly. Broken person, you got what you need in Scripture. You have it. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's through these, his glory and goodness. It's through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Holy, righteous living. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I'm going to continue in a moment, but I want you just to get excited about that verse for a moment. Look at it on the screen. Meditate on it. When the Bible says meditate on something, go over and over and over this verse today. Over and over and over again. And you're going to find you are broken, full of sinfulness, yet God declared you holy. And he's asked you to live holy. And what do you get from this divine tension? You escape the corruption that's in this world. That's huge. You can meditate on that all day, all week this week. What does it mean that I have as a child of God? You have the ability within you because of God's word and holy living to escape the corruption that's in this world. You know, as a believer, to live a godly life is going to give you a great life. To live a godly life and to do what's right and to have no guilt and shame in my, in my mind as I walk through the day, it's a beautiful thing. To look around you in this world and to see what people are dealing with because of sin. Let's be honest, the, the, the results of sin is oppressive and it's expensive. 
you look at what we spend money on in our culture, and it's a lot of it due to brokenness. A lot of it's due to sinfulness. A lot of it's due to terrible choices. And God says, wake up, children. Don't live that way, and you'll escape all that junk. Anybody here want to escape all the junk? I just want to live without all that. And God says, then my holy child, live holy. Be holy as I am holy. That's a high calling. That's one of those verses I read. It's like the one I read last week where at the end we say, yeah, right. God says, be holy like I'm holy. Yeah, right. You know me. God, come on. That's, that's a scripture that I don't. Listen, child. I have lifted you up, declared you holy, and given you a, a way that you can escape the junk that's in this world. Look around and see the chaos and the pain and the hurting the consequences of sin. And God has said, you don't need to go there. I feel like a a parent trying to tell his teenager, don't do drugs. That's what I feel like right now to you. I I feel like, you know, you know my past. I was an alcoholic, drug dealing mess in high school. And I've told thousands upon thousands of teenagers about that and then begged them not to make the same mistake. How many teenagers do you think hear this story and say, well, he got away with it. Maybe I'll try it. It worked for him. And I feel like the same thing today as a pastor coming to you and saying, don't go there. Don't, don't go there. The consequences of sin is junk and awful and stay away from it. God says, live holy and escape. Everybody say escape. Or in, in Finding Nemo, escape. Escape. <laughs> Get away from all the garbage that's in this world. God has given you everything you need to live a holy life and escape the consequences. He goes on to say, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. To goodness, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection. To mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, keep growing They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from, their past sins. Oh, friends, my plea for you today is you are broken yet holy. God says you're holy even though you're broken, but you're you're broken yet be holy. Romans 15, 14 says this. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Oakwood exists to shape people's life. Another way to call that is discipleship. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's what we're here to do. We're going to encourage you to live a godly life. That's the encouragement that I'm talking about in my big idea. Our role is to encourage you to live a godly life. And you have what it takes. This is not a church that's going to tell everybody, shape up and live at the highest level or else get out. I've heard churches do that before. I have pastors that write books that even tell people, if you're going to really do something in your congregation, half of them are going to have to leave. And I say, that's dumb. Who do they think they are? Today you might be here at the lowest level of baby Christian life far, 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 far from holiness, but you're welcome here. You're welcome here. But warning, we're going to encourage you not to stay there. 
we don't want you to stay there. We want you to grow in Christ and in holiness. That's what we exist for. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 was our theme verse, our key verse today, that's spurring one another toward good works, not giving up meeting as summer in the heaven, encouraging one another. We're going to encourage you to step up, move up. The community that shapes is unafraid to hold me accountable. So that's what Oakwood exists for. Oakwood wants you to be growing, and we're not going to be afraid then to hold your feet to the fire and say, grow, grow. Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. That word admonish, I want you to see that over and over again. It comes up in these passages. We admonish you. We, we correct you. We, we want to teach God's word and have it affect your life. Oops, sorry. Acts 14, 21 and 22. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Look at the middle of there. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging. That encouragement wasn't good job. It was live holy. Spurring them. Live holy. Acts 15.32, a chapter later, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. They spurred them on toward holiness and good works. They spurred them and encouraged them. They admonished them. Then I want to use this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Do you have that one or do I have that one? I got it. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the distarded, disheartened and help the weak be patient with everyone so there's a couple of adverbs or, or action verbs that i want to talk about the grammar of community number one is admonish everybody say admonish we exist to shape your life through god's word to disciple you so that you would grow that's going to come in the form of admonishing you don't live sinful lives put that off that's your old self stop living in the flesh live in the spirit that's what we want to admonish you to do. The second action verb is to encourage. We want to admonish you, and then we're going to give you everything we can to help you walk that way. Third thing is help. We want to help you. We exist to help you in your walk with Christ. And thirdly, it's not one word, but it's be patient. I had to get the B in there for the action part. Be patient. Admonish, encourage, help, be patient. Those are the action verbs in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and that's why the church exists. That's why Oakwood exists, to shape your life. Can I tell you, again, over and over again, the best way to do that is get involved in a small group. Get involved in a community. I don't think you're going to get there just coming once a week on Sunday mornings. I I don't think it's possible. I just don't. Sounds like I don't trust my preaching very much, does it? Well, yeah, no, I don't. I don't put that much weight in what I say in, in 30 minutes, 35 minutes. I, I don't have, I can't do it. I, this will not be effective in shaping your life. There needs to be more. And what Oakwood is all in on, we've kind of poured it all in on, and, and it said it, it has to be in the form of community groups where they can go and maybe talk about what we're learning here, learn from others, get encouragement and help, maybe some admonition. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you now, we have patience. You don't have to be at a certain level for us to accept you. We, we love you. 
We love you as you are, but we love you so much we don't want to leave you there. We want to get you moving to be more like Jesus. Why? Because we want you to escape the junk. Stop living in the consequences of sin. Start living under the umbrella of God's blessing and living a holy life. So I'm going to give you some encouragement today. I know it's time, but we started five minutes late, so I get a free five. Five encouraging invitations. I want to give you five invitations today, okay? This, this is the encouragement from the platform for your life this week. Plug in. Plug in with God each day through prayer, Bible reading, or soul training exercises. Plug in. Outside of this time, plug in with God. Each day. Number two. I want to encourage you to have three connecting times a week with each other, as well as those who don't know Jesus. So maybe this week you need to text somebody from Oakwood, or you need to go to small group, and that'll be one connecting point, but you need to connect with others. And then maybe somebody who doesn't even know Jesus, connect with them as well and encourage them. Share the light to them. Third thing, I want to encourage you. Ask not what is my spiritual gift, but how am I a gift to this community? And then offer, offer your giftedness. Live in your giftedness. We, we trust that God has given Oakwood everything it needs to be effective, and you're part of that answer. You're the gift to the church, so where's your, what is your giftedness? Don't sit around wondering, well, again, we, we as Christians, I think, have made a mistake of looking at the spiritual gifts as I only do this. Well, I'm high in prophecy, so I just sit around telling people where they're wrong. <laughs> no, no, people, come on. You might have a spiritual gift, but use your giftedness to the church, whatever it may be. Serve. Jump in. You got to dive in. Remember that illustration I used of that little boy who was afraid to jump in the pool? Every time he'd go to jump, he'd hesitate. (laughs) Jump in. Go all in, folks. Serve with your giftedness. Number four, develop a friendship with someone who's different than you. Maybe a different ethnicity or age or religion or class. Jump in. Develop a friendship with somebody. Number five, discover a healthy rhythm in the way you use your time. We're talking about margin. We're talking about balance. We're talking about the principle, not the rule, the principle of the Sabbath. Do you have margins in your life? Remember the teacher would always tell you, you know, you need to have margins here where there's nothing. Margins are the white spaces, the blank spaces Do you have any margin in your life or are you running from edge to edge and there's nothing in between? You give you any time to slow down and let God's word affect your life. I think that that fifth one, honestly, I I would assess that's the number one problem we have in our Christian culture today. We're we're all too busy to be Christians. We're, We're too busy to be kingdom people. And that's a sign of we've got our priorities mixed up we're so fully in this world we've edged god out of our lives we need to get back we need to get back and this church exists to shape you that direction i want to ask the team to come up and join me on stage while they're coming i'm just going to light some candles in this pot because a beautiful thing happens this pot is definitely broken It was actually the Chinese that used to do this. They actually used to break their pots and then they would put them back together, but they would fill the cracks with gold. And then they would light candles in them. And the beauty is that that light would shine out from this, the gold inlays. It was, it was actually, look that up, Chinese pots. And, and it's really cool what they would do.
But I find this to be the illustration of today. We are broken. Let's take an individual first. You as an individual, you're, you're holy. God declares you're holy, but you know you're broken. We're living in sin. We're living in flesh. But you're broken, and God calls you to be holy. Holy yet broken, broken yet holy. And it's all about Christ in you. The Bible said in the passage that talked about us being jars of clay, it says, but you have in you this precious treasure. And it's okay for folks, I hope you understand that I think it's okay that even in our brokenness, we show Christ. Even in our brokenness, you'll see through the cracks today that you'll see the light shining. I've never called you to be perfect people. The thing I love about Oakwood is we're a bunch of messy people. We are. We're just a bunch of ragtag misfits. And you know what? God does. His light shines through that. The world's not looking for a perfect person. The world needs to see somebody who's authentic and real, but the light of Christ shines in them. So even in your brokenness individually, let the light of Christ shine. And then as a community, shift the illustration. Now, we are a bunch of broken shards that Christ is putting together and making something beautiful. Let's let the light shine. Let the light shine. We're going to tim all the lights now. They're all going to go down. The band has some lights so they can still see their music. I want you to be able to see the light as best we can in this room. And we're going to go to worship now. And it's not a quiet, some of you think we're going to do some quiet sad song. No, it's going to be a, a, a raucous, uh, upbeat temple worship song about the light of Christ. It's Jesus in us. It's the treasure. Do you see those beautiful lights? It's the treasure within us that the world can see. And they don't see it. I love it when it gets dark. You don't really see the, You see the light coming through. Let's worship together as we leave. Stand with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, help us to be a broken vessel worthy of honor. God, help us to be a treasure visual community. May the world see Jesus through us. In his name we pray, amen.